we still just don't talk about it. And, or if we do, we do it from a, from a penalty standpoint, you know, the guy who gets caught in adultery, what do we do? We kick him out. Wow. Well, why the hell we kick him out? Like he's at his sickest point. He needs to be in care, not kicked out of care. Does he need to be pastoring? Probably not, but he needs to be pastored. This episode was so impactful for me and Julie, because as we talk to our good friends, you're gonna need to hear from today, Brett and Emily Mills. We learned so much about those that have been exploited um, through sex trafficking, how the porn industry feeds into that. And I'm telling you what, it's not only gonna open your eyes, it's gonna move your heart to wanna do something about it. So check out this episode with our friends from Jesus Said Love, Brett and Emily Mills. Hey friends, I'm Chris Bennett. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Julie. Hey everyone. Together, we're gonna explore the life-changing power of family. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, and join us on Finding Family. Right. Well, we are so excited to have some longtime, not old friends, because we're not old. We're young. We're youthful. We're right. Right. Um, but just life, <laughs> lifelong friends of ours on the podcast today. Today, we're joined with uh, by Brett and Emily Mills, and they lead an incredible organization called Jesus Said Love. We're going to jump into that here in a little bit. Just first, want to say great to see you guys virtually. It's been a long time since we've seen yes. each other in person, but it's great to see your faces. I mean, Brett, that beard. I just, if only everyone could see. And it looks real. How you want to touch it, don't you? You just want to. I really wanna, do. Dude, really those do. little fingers right there. He's yeah, got two good streaks. Mm-hmm. Just Chris, front. do you remember the first time we met? Um, I remember. I have a memory of meeting. I don't know if it was the first time, though. I th- Tell me. I, I think this is the first time. This is at least my first memory of when we met. Ooh. It was at the Christian radio station in oh, Waco, no. Texas. Oh, no. And you were jamming on the one. Yeah, yeah. And I believe it was an Andy Benton. Oh and he asked me to come by because of the celebrity that I am and wake right. up yes. right. and right. sit in to sit in on the radio show. Yes. And I came and met you. I, I remember that now because I know our listener, we were Did anybody about, listen to we were that? listening about okay. 10 a week okay. and you came on and it jumped to 15. <laughs> and we were like, got up okay. high. Crowder, we called, yeah, we had Crowder call in a couple times. I mean, we yeah. were every connection we had. So I do remember that it was the Harvest radio station. And, you know, that's how we were able to move to LA and kind of live the lifestyle. We Bringing in the yeah, sheaves, really, man. Really. It was well you know, done I, back then. Well done. You know, back then I had my case of CDs and all of my Christian, you know, like my people in my little case. And I'm still sad that I left it there. Chris needed it for a show and I never oh, got gosh, it back. Yeah. And hey, crazy so, thing though. That's irrelevant, but I, I'm no, obviously reliving this moment um, of sadness. <laughs> it was pleather, pleather, and uh, the zipper was a little broken, um, but it was pretty snazzy. And yeah. we went back and listened to some old oh, like, gosh. Uh, Guys. radio shows that mm-hmm. I had done, and I sounded like a different human. Now, I was he like, sounds hey, like listen. this, everything. Have you experienced this in your own life? Well, they still live there. Maybe they don't. Their voice. Maybe because no. I think no, I, I think it's yeah. something about the youth and okay. the culture that culture. you were just indoctrinated with at all the things, time, all and you you just sound like what you're around. You really yeah, do. there you go. Well, and, and the more the yeah. more times you watch and listen to yourself on film or tape, I think you kind of go, "Do I really sound like that? I need to fix <laughs> yes. that." 
Yes. It was thick, though. I mean, we went back and listened to his first sermon he ever preached. She was like 20. We think we are like changing the world, like, you know, next level. And his sermon, he's talking like this. We're talking thick. And he's like, guys, you will be persecuted. <laughs> In Lorena, Texas. And, and it's good. And it's okay. And I looked at him like, did we think that was, did we think that was a good sermon? Did we think we were, Wow. Well, we couldn't even hear ourselves, I mean, really. We couldn't hear ourselves the right way. Right. No. Hey, look at us now, you guys. Look at us now. Hey, we're, 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 still, we're still winning. Look. <laughs> and and truly, Emily, I have an amazing memory of you that I want to share. And I remember um, it was a song that was on. Was it called Touchstone? What was it that y'all led worship for? Touchstone at, at High Hands. Island. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, like, first, Baptist, first Baptist Waco was okay, where Touchstone was held. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember you guys led worship, but I remember it was the song out of Isaiah about soaring on wings as eagles. Oh. Soaring wings as eagles, I will was, run in that grove. When I look yes, to yes. you, may the That's glory the of your light shine on me. That was her, her albums are for sale. Hey, hey I'm, I'm serious though. I That's remember so that song. I remember so the lyrics sweet. to that song. I, uh, I'm do, not do, just saying this. I thought and that is that. one of our, the girl we were singing it with, it could have been, I could have sang it after she left, but her name is Bethany Logston. Her, she's now Bethany Neff and she lives in Nashville with her producer husband. And she sang on several praise babies, but she, that mm-hmm. was like the first song that she wrote and that we sang at Touchstone. And I it became it. a favorite. Brad, did you have something you were about to say here on the edge? No, of I was just, I was going to give Bethany credit if Emily didn't. Oh, okay. Don't you worry. Well, thank you, Bethany. I always know where to give the cred. Just making <laughs> sure, because I think Bethany listens to your podcast weekly, and so I want to make really? sure that she gets the <laughs> shout out. And the money and the royalties. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, thank you guys. We could, we just need to get together in person is what needs to happen and we need to hang. But, you know, for the sake of our time today, um, I would love for you to tell our, our listeners just a little bit about you guys. Um, and then really what, what Jesus said love is all about. You want me to go, babe? I guess it all kind of started. I would love for you to go because I would (laughs) love to follow you and color up what you didn't include. Yeah. So as we've already mentioned, we have known each other for a long time. So Brett and I are married. We want to say that we are married. We have three kids. We live in Waco, Texas. We were graduates of, we are graduates of Baylor University and um, we got to know ministry. I got to know ministry world uh, there. I was a ministry guidance student at Baylor. I was a really good Baptist. Just that's (laughs) my context. Um, And so when I met Brett, it was through a worship ministry and we began singing together. We fell in love and then got married and in 2004, after we'd had our first baby, we ended up in Austin, Texas, leading worship for a women's conference. And I really thought I knew what women's conferences were kind of all about, like been around the block. Like I knew a few door prizes. We're going to have some lunch. What I didn't know is that the main focus of this was reaching women in the commercial sex industry. And so about four women took the stage and shared their stories, how their lives had just been radically changed by the kindness that women had offered them in strip clubs and on the streets who were in prostitution. And at that time, um, I'd never heard of anything like this. I um, heard in all of their stories, a thread of childhood sexual abuse. And that was part of my story that I was aware of at the time. Um, And I just was so curious. It was, it unlocked this 
curiosity in me and a real calling to want to know her. And the only way to know her was to go to the strip clubs. And so, um, we began strip club outreaches in 2004 in Waco, Texas. By 2009, we had grown across the state. 2014, we were in seven Texas cities, reaching about a thousand women every month, just with kindness and gift bags. Um, and we learned, of course, about the human trafficking crisis as well. The problem with the just solely an outreach model was that it really wasn't providing any transform transformation, any opportunities right. for a way out. It was just saying, hey, we love you. Um, you know, how can we serve you? It's like, are you going to pay my light bill? Like, I don't want to be here. You know, 89% right. of women in the sex industry don't want to be there. And so um, we then decided in 2016, we were gifted a building in Waco, Texas. So you can come by and see us at 15, 15th and Columbus. And um, we decided we would start building programs. We would scale back on outreaches. We would just focus on central Texas. And so now we do job training. We do, uh, we give livable wage jobs through a social enterprise called lovely. Um, we provide drop-in services and case management, and, uh, we do education and prevention through Brett's amazing stop demand school, where he works with offenders and also trains other men in churches and organizations. What, this issue is and why buying sex is really harmful. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's what we do. Casual, you know. Yeah. How are you going to color that up, Brett? Color it. Color it in. Color it in. Really hit that out of the park. I'm not going to touch that. That was absolutely brilliant, babe. You know, I think it was the hot yoga this morning. I it think was. That, I think that I think the blood is like flowing this yep. morning. And yep. so the, something about the heat got my mouth moving the right way. There was no ums in that. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, that was pro. That was pro. I mean, your mic may be missing a screw, you know, <laughs> yes. but you're not. You Castellaw would be proud of you right now. <laughs> yes. Castellaw Communications. Shout Ooh, it another, out. Another shout out. Um, uh, so Brett, tell me about the stop demand school she mentioned. Yes. I want to hear about that. Well, you know, that, that was a, an interruption in the plan as well. Um, mm. that wasn't in the business model. Of course, none of this was, um, <laughs> we're musicians for crying out loud. And all of a sudden now we're doing this, but Emily came back to the office one day and she said she'd been at a, a, a meeting of community leaders that was kind of focused on human trafficking. And we had been put on a subcommittee that was focused on prevention efforts and she came back and said, uh, well, I signed us up for something and you're going to lead it. And I said, okay, what is that? She said, um, it's <laughs> going to create a diversion program for offenders. And I was like, what you want me to do? What? And, um, and I'm glad that she did that at first. I was like, what in the world? But now I'm glad because it is, I mean, it in and of itself, in addition to all the other things that we do has transformed my life. Um, and so what we did was we created a program, um, for buyers when they get busted, most of them, part of their restitution is they have to take our class. Um, it's a privilege, you know, I'm not going to lie it, it, for many of them, they get it, their charges reduced or wiped off their record, but we get a chance to sit in the room with them for eight hours on a Tuesday and talk very candidly and frankly about all of these issues of what they had participated in. And at first, the very first class I went to, um, I thought to myself, these are just a bunch of scumbags. Like yeah. who, who, who buys sex? Like right. at least go get, go have a drink at a bar and meet somebody and go, I mean, you know, there's, there's free options out there. Like right, why do you right. feel like you have to buy it? 
And um, I'll tell you what, what broke off in me was there was a guy there. I knew his charge and part of the curriculum at the very beginning is you have to tell your story. And so I said, why are you here? And he was him hawing around. And I knew that he had attempted to buy a 16 year old. Now, thank God as a sheriff's officer, but his attempt was a 16 year old and he was a 50 something year old man. And now I have a 16 year old daughter at the time. So I have anger in my heart towards this person. <laughs> And I'm trying to verbally beat him up and blah, blah, blah. But I kept hearing this little voice that some of us call the Holy Spirit say, ask him the last time he was happy. And I'm like, I'm not asking this guy that. I mean, we're this is sex buying. We don't ask people when they're right. happy and sex buying. And so I'm just hounding him some more. And the Holy Spirit kept saying, ask him the last time he's happy. So I was like, fine. When was the last time you were happy? And he starts crying. And I'm like, wait, there's no crying in sex buying. Get yourself together, man. <laughs> And he said, well, my wife and I don't sleep in the same bed anymore. She takes care of her invalid parents. I get no attention. I said, okay, when was the last time you were happy? And he said, when I met my wife. And I said, when was that? And he said, when we were 16. And so for me, the wow. empathy finally broke off of, okay, he's not a scumbag. Now, this doesn't excuse his sure. behavior by any means. Like, lock him up, right? But my point is, for me personally, it gave me a heart of, okay, in the same way the seller has a story of trauma, the buyer has a story of trauma as well that wow. brought them to that place. And so it's been a beautiful, difficult, but really beautiful thing to see both these areas overlap in, um, in a lot of restoration as well. It's, it's incredible. I mean, when I saw that you guys were doing that, <clears throat> I mean, that was one of the most impactful things for me. Just looking at the ministry that you guys are doing, I'm like that right there. Cause we talk a lot about, um, the one that was offended, you know, the one that was trafficked, uh, all that and, and uh, uh, rightly so. But, um, that is really, I mean, Jesus said, love, hello. He, he, he's not going after one side. He's going after all sides. He's going after the broad spectrum of pain and trauma. And that's what he does. So to see you guys, you were your way to go. Like, well, probably so, one of the coolest so. things that you're talking about forgiveness and, and reconciliation, probably the coolest thing that surprised us, I guess, in this work is we have survivors who we use restorative justice principles and survivors come and share their story of harm to those who would have offended them. And wow. it is such an act of courage. And this was survivor prompted. And they said, if, if there's hope for my life, they said, yeah. I want these guys to know if there's hope mm. for me, there's hope for them. And so we are like, okay, if a survivor is saying that, and they've been directly harmed by these guys, then we, as the quote, have it all together, you know, church goer, right. we need to have a space also of empathy, which leads to, a greater understanding of human connection and kindred um, family, which is what your podcast is about. I mean, we've really uh, father Gregory Boyle, who runs homeboy industries in LA. Yeah. yeah, We love him and, and the work that they're doing. And he talks about in his book, um, he talked tattoos on the heart. He talks about radical kinship Mm -hmm. and really finding this place of radical kinship with the, the people who you don't think is like you, another um, author that I love and 
and learn from is Henry Nowen. Yeah, I love Henry Nowen. Talks, I read him every day. I, I know. Him. Life of the Beloved is so good. And yeah. he has this book called Reaching Out that talks about the three moves of the spiritual life. And um, one of them is transforming places of hostility to hospitality. And so it really is about what biases, what places in my heart are hostile toward other people or toward other countries or toward other spaces. And how can I transform my heart and my home and my life into a place of hospitality? Because that is the true work of the spirit. Well, I have a question on that. And I think you know, you guys having been in vocational type ministry as we were for years. And then even for us, when we got to LA, being in a very different culture, being around very different type of people and realizing, oh, there's so many religious things in us that, and not when we say religion, that that's not good or bad. It's just things in us. that's like, okay, why do we think that? Why do we believe that? Why do we treat people like this a certain way? And I, I would love to hear what that's been like for you guys and undoing some of the maybe like, I mean, Brett, you kind of hit on it, but as you're meeting people that, you know, how have you guys been able to to sift through how do you just love people without getting in the way of the religious barriers that sometimes get there? Is that, does he understand what I'm asking? Cause I think that's what we're constantly yeah, asking. Yeah. I mean, well, gosh, it's, I mean, I guess the short answer is it's hard and it's easy, right? I mean, it's hard in the sense that it, it, it's like getting, how do I say this to get, your average church person who's never been outside of the pew mm-hmm. to see that a man who attempted to buy sex is even worth sucking oxygen on the planet to right. get them to see that person as a person is like pulling teeth. But in this, but in the same way, they will have the utmost compassion for the dancer or the, the, um, you know, the desirous woman caught in lust and, And it's such an interesting, when we look at the life of Jesus, he doesn't play any favorites of either side of the equation. He says, you're all worthy of me. And so let's get me to all of you. Um, And so I don't, I don't know why something about the church and and, and I have been coming down on the church hard lately uh, on, on this particular issue, because we don't talk about sex. Mm. And if we do, it's in such a, ice house perfect you know yes the way that we grew up you know this this true love waits nonsense that now people are in therapy over um we we've just done it wrong and so we're seeing the the effects of that and so but instead of seeing the effects of that and going man we screwed that up in the 80s and the 90s let's repent of that and let's do something different we still just don't talk about it and or if we do we do it from a from a penalty standpoint, you know, the guy who gets caught in adultery, what do we do? We kick him out. Wow. Well, why the hell we kick him out? Like he's at his sickest point. Wow. He needs to be in care, not kicked out of care. Mm. Does he need to be pastoring? Probably not, but he needs mm. to be pastored. Yeah. And so I just, I, I don't know. The, the more I read the red letters, the more I see we're all welcome. We're all welcome there in, in the midst, not getting fixed, but in the midst of our, whatever we're in and we're all in something. Yes. And if you think you're not in something, it's going to rear its ugly head when you least expect it. Cause we're all in something. And at that point is when we need to have someone who's there ready to accept us. So mm. I, 
I don't, whatever you can extract out of that. Come but. on, that's so good, Brett. You don't choose them, you can't lose them. I remember when our kids were young that some of the biggest challenges Julie and I faced consistently was coming up with healthy habits and routines in the morning and the evening so that we could really be connected as a family. And that's why we're so excited to partner with our friends at Loam. Loam is a digital platform. It helps your family get into healthy routines. And they are sponsoring this episode and what they're offering to our Finding Family listeners, if you go to withloam.com backslash finding family and enter in the code finding family, you're gonna get a month free. And on there, you're gonna find examples of things you can do around mealtime, around the table. Just basically, how do you get connected in a healthy way as a family? And another way you can help support the show and be more connected to the Finding Family community is join our Patreon group. You'll receive bonus interviews, exclusive content, a monthly Q&A with me and Julie, and lots and lots more. So check us out on Patreon. Have y'all felt the opposition of that, your message? Yeah, and here's the, re- here's the real conundrum for, for us is we have so much um, bias and hatred in our own hearts And all of that comes from our wounding. We are so far east of Eden, as Dr. Allender says, we are, we are out of the garden and there's no way on this earth to fully return, right? That's, that's for heaven. That's our final resting place. But we have this desire for it because we're from it. We're from wholeness. The problem is in the church, we promote this idea of, of love. And then at the same time, we drink that cup. We drink the cup in the Lord's supper. If you think about the sacraments, what we're saying in that is we need this. There's something in us that is needy and that is broken. And yet how could we drink that cup and refuse to love? Mm. How do we, how do we do that? Well, it's because we, we really don't want to see how we've been offended and how we've been harmed and we've been hurt. So we cut off those hard, hurtful Hmm. wounds so that we can act like the savior to the victim. Not getting, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you you go ahead. When you say not getting fixed, you know, that whole, I I just, um, I think about, I mean, for people that have pastored a church for pastored a church for a long time, for a decade, did ministry before that, youth ministry, college ministry, all the things. Um, that I, I see the biggest thing with the church stepping out of the specific roles we were in. We need to feel better about our wounds. So we're trying to be the hero so that doesn't li- allow the space for people to be loved as we see Jesus doing. I mean, plain and simple. So, um, yeah, anyway, go ahead, Brett. Well, I was, yeah, I mean, practically speaking, yes, we get pushback. Yes, we have people that say, how can you, I don't know how you can do that. I'm glad that's you. And I'm like, but that's you too, bro. You're not, I mean, scripture says, you see a brother in need, you don't know anything about it. How dwells the love of God in you, right? So we've got some people over here in need and you're turning your nose up to them. Hmm, how's the love in you? Is it there? Is it not there? Is it just for certain people? Well, you're missing the boat. Um, well, Brett, you're being judgmental. No, just reading the word. That's what it said. So whatever, <laughs> with it, what you want. Um, but you know, here recently, I will say, so we've been at this since 2004. <clears throat> Up until this year, we haven't gotten a lot of pushback on certain areas. Hmm. But now we are starting to get pushback. 
and it's really interesting. I don't know if it's the culture that we live in. I don't know if it's wow. the, the different political teams that people have chosen to align with, but now we get questions like, well, what are your thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts on that? And you need to make a statement about this. And we're like, yeah, we don't, we don't make statements. Our, our statement is Jesus said love. That is our statement. I love, yes. That's our position. So, so good. Put that, put that over whatever political thing you need to put it over. That's what it is. That's what it is. I, I want to go back to, I mean, this might be a hot topic in the church. I don't know, but I like hot topics. You talked about, um, now I'm, okay, now I'm. Sorry. I'm derailed. What was I saying? It was going to be a real good, um, life-changing question I was about to ask. hot topic. So uh-huh. Nope. Don't know. Ooh. Maybe it's a sign. No. Definitely don't want to talk about politics. What do I want to talk Oh, um, I don't know. The, the true love waits? No, you didn't say true love yeah, waits. True love waits. True love waits. Purity culture. How, how do you see that? Because I have a feeling people are going to hear that and be like, wait, what do you mean exactly? And I think it's important. I have teenage boys. I'm not going to go off on the things that, Yeah. I'm going to not even finish that thought, but I would like love over the negative. Impact yeah. Like, what do you think? What in your, I'm curious, what in your opinion? Cause I think I'll share my story. And oh. what, what is that? Yeah. This is, this is one of the reasons why I fell in love with Emily Mills. This story right here. Oh, wow. So I, so I grew up in Tyler, Texas, going to a mega mega church, mega Baptist church. And my youth group during the purity movement, purity culture, which was, um, you know, an abs- a move of abstinence to not have any sex um, or masturbate before marriage. So it was all encompassing, like any kind of pleasure. Um, don't do it. And this was before even the um, I kiss dating goodbye stuff. So my youth group decides that we want to be represented in Washington to push forward this abstinence bill so that abstinence curriculum is taught across Texas. So every single person in the youth group had to sign a document that says, I will not have sex until I'm married. And, and I would not sign it. Now, the interesting part of this is that I didn't have a boyfriend. I wasn't even having sex. I, I, was just floored. I was so curious. I was like, why do they care? Like, I I'm not understanding how this little mm. card carries that much weight for me to not have sex with my body. I couldn't, could not fathom it. So I didn't sign it. So then the youth pastor calls my dad and I have to have this conversation with two men, wow. two grown men about why I didn't, think they needed to care and that a card couldn't keep me from having sex. And I also thought it was weird that so many men were so concerned about their daughter's vaginas. And I just was like, why are you thinking about my body like that? And where did it become, you know, and this is when I'm in high school, like, I don't really have any theology training. I have no like understanding of like the reformation or oppression or patriarchy. I don't even know any of that. They're just like sign the card. Okay. They're just like sign the card and shut up. Just do it. So we, so, so our name, so our church can look good. Right. And I didn't like that. I was like, no, no, I, I just don't like that. So I didn't sign it. Um, but, but I did, I did practice abstinence. That was the irony of it is I just didn't Mm. want to sign it, but I valued abstinence. Um, I think, and honestly, here's the, here's the upside of it. 
is I do, I am thankful because I am a, a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. There was something about the church and that rule that did keep me from re-traumatizing myself over and over and over. Cause I know I could have gone a different way. And I'm not saying the church was able to do that for, for everyone. Right. I, I know I'm not judging anyone who went the other route into ex- extreme promiscuity or whatever. Um, but for me, there, there is goodness in it. So I rail hard on it, but I also value the good that, that came out of it. That's powerful. powerful. What? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I think I want to go back to, you know, these last few minutes that we have, I know there's a lot of ground that we could cover, but you know, we're, we're talking about, you don't want to talk about true love rights, Chris. <laughs> I saw the ring. I'm pretty sure. I saw the ring. Oh, you signed the card and got the ring. Oh, I did. I did. I was that. I was a better Baptist than you, Emily. Is the bottom I have a feeling line. I'm getting a lot of questions about this, but I don't mind that. I just think it's a great conversation, it. which which might be another podcast another time. But just keep going. No, I, I think I would love to just hear because I it, statistics are overwhelming. You know, on y'all's website, we'll we'll put the link in there. People can look at the statistics from you know pornography and and how much that drives a lot of the industry and whatnot. Um, and, and talking about, you know, the church and, and even the religious ways is a lot of times only dealing with behavior, you know, and kind of where we become the behavior police and instead of getting to the root issues, you know, and, and what would you guys say? I mean, the, the people that you've worked with from the men and the women, I know you touched on a little bit, but what are the root issues that to see something systemically change and like that have to be dealt with? Mm. I would I mean, I would answer that with communication. If if we, Emily Emily uses this phrase a lot, let's go back upstream. I think if we go back upstream on a lot of this, a lot of it is we don't communicate. We don't talk to our kids. If we do, we talk to our kids weirdly. And we talk about, you know, don't touch your pee pee and use weird language like that. No, it's a penis as what it is. And you're going to feel feelings that you naturally want to, because God made you that way. And so instead of saying, don't flog the dolphin, we Hmm. talk about what are the positive. That's where I disagree with triple X church on some things and how they teach certain things. It's again, it's shame based versus Let's begin early on with our kids, with youth group, with whatever, and talk about, hey, you know what? God made your body and he made it beautiful and he made sex and, he, and your body's going to go through changes. And you're going to feel things and all of those are good. So we have right. to start from a place of goodness, not shame and not shame. But what we've done is we've we've done the shame thing. Don't do it. Well, why? I'm, I feel like I want to do this. God said it was good. Don't do it. If you do it, then you can't be in leadership or, you know, you can't do this or that. And it's like, so then I'm going to go do it quietly. And so now what what we see is we see sex buyers who are addicted to porn. Um, You know, 99% have a porn addiction where, and if I asked individually, where did, where did this, where did it start? It's going to go back to their childhood. Average age of watching porn is now eight years old. Um, so porn, I think is one of the biggest influences now, but parents put their heads in the sand or the dad's watching porn himself. So he didn't want to talk about it. And so now you got, yeah. And again, it's just, it's about shame 
It's about exposure. It's about our wounds. And there's a great book Mm. called Unwanted by a researcher and therapist named Jay Stringer. He lives in New York now. Um, He was with the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, but he studied over 200 uh, sex buyers and then worked largely around the issue of pornography addiction. And he says the type, even the type of sexual intimacy or fantasies or unwanted deviant sexual behaviors that we want actually reveal our truest need for healing. And so we're not off. We we don't even know. We just, the church doesn't even know how to go there. And so some of this for our awakening has just been about being trauma informed and really making space for the wound and making space for um, the normalcy of trauma. All of us have had that fallout. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I would love to ask, ask you guys about um, what does it look like to have conversations um, with your kids? With your teenagers before they're teenagers, yeah, the right age. Yeah, the right goodness. age. Um, that doesn't bring shame, yeah. but it's good communication. I mean, that's that's our highest priority. Um, uh, you know, we've done a lot of things wrong. We've figured out how to do some things right, especially with our teenage boys. And um, it, yeah, it's it, it kind of goes back a little bit to the the true love waits thing that you know the topic that we we were discussing a little bit because. You know, it's like I signed something. Nobody, nobody, I just felt like crap. Like, okay, great, but I've already done this or been there or feel this way. So, oh, well, I'm going to try and love God, hide this, move on. I'm also, you know, I have sexual abuse in my young childhood, same thing. And I, you know, nobody taught me what I was fighting for in the right way and and helped me understand that it was just don't do this. So, I don't know. Just in terms of communication without shame, what... Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that. We, um, I actually just wrote a guide called how to talk trafficking with your kids. And because that's probably our number one question is, you know, you guys have been doing this work since Hattie was one. And so she grew up in our home and mom and dad are going wearing Jesus loves stripper shirts at one point, like, Mm -hmm. Hey mom, what's a stripper, you know? So she had a lot of questions about sex, about sex work, about, um, all the things. And so our posture has been one of like a guided exposure. And so we kind of use Mm -hmm. that framework that we don't want to just shelter our kids from the world because hello, you can't. You right. also can't a hundred percent prevent right? because trafficking is about traffickers. So you can't, even if you're doing everything right, children are still at risk and that's, that's on the demand side. Right. But what you can do is you can help bolster connection, attachment, compassion, and conversation. And so if you can bolster those things, within your family unit, it helps dialogue come out. Like when they do get scared, like, um, one of our kids came home from school when they were in the fifth grade and said, Hey mom, what's Pornhub?" Well, I was like, you know, fifth grade. And so I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. So how'd you, I said, well, it's a website. Well, I, I know that, but like, I, does that mean pornography? Is that, what is that about? And so days later, I found out that my child had gone and clicked on that Mm. and we didn't have 
a filter set up in the right way, it was a huge learning curve for us because here we were fighting this issue and it had come right to their doorstep. And so really for me, it was, it was about attuning to what that child needed in that moment and saying, what did you see? Did it scare you? Did you like it? Were you curious? Did you click on other things that you thought might be kind of interesting or fun? And it really gave our kid a a chance to be open with us because they weren't ashamed. They were safe. And so I'm not, I'm not terrified. You know, I think we, as parents get hypervigilant again, over our own trauma, over our own wounds. And so I know that um, if we can normalize conversations when they bring up, I think that guy is so cute. And one of our kids, I remember them saying like, I just want to get a kiss this year. (laughs) (laughs) And like we, you know, they were teenagers and I was like, Oh yeah. What, what does that mean? Like, what would that, Mm. what, what would that do for you? Instead of feeling bad for having that thought, but the fact that he could even say that to you, though, is beautiful. Of course you do. Of course you right. want that. Of course you, you want didn't. a kiss. Right. You didn't want that when you were nine, but now that you're however old, right. you want that. It's so good. I get it. Yeah. I want one yeah. too. Where's your mom? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think we're trying to. We're trying. We're trying to normalize connection. Um, eating meals together, where conversations right. around the good, the bad, the hard yeah. are normalized. And that Mm. helps the conversations around quote, uncomfortable things like sex. Sorry. Those are dogs. Come here, bear. Dogs out. Who? 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 Ridiculous on my part. This is an editing nightmare. (laughs) This is an editing nightmare. Sorry to Will, our editor. Um, Well, hey, I think we should, we should probably do a part two. And I mean that sincerely, I think where we could unpack some of this a little bit more, but, um, We'll we'll end this portion of the conversation because I think we've covered a lot. Keep going. I have like two more questions. Yeah, I just want you know we want to get behind you guys. What's the best way our listeners can follow and support what you guys are doing? Well, guys, first of all, thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure (laughs) being on here. It's been a pleasure seeing your beautiful faces. Um, You can go to JesusSaidLove.com. You can find us on all the socials at Jesus Said, not says. Jesus said in the past. Right. present but past uh jesus said love um and then our justice enterprise lovely you can go shop there at our yes, lovely store yeah, we'll, we'll include a link and then if people want to hear the conversation you and i had you know 20 years ago brett how do we get that out of the archive i mean those were on two inch <laughs> tapes weren't they i don't <laughs> even know how, what the recording mechanism was that Actually, radio station is no longer in business. Oh, well, after so I we, left, I think it just kind of all. Yeah. You just yeah. really took. They ran the out of my CDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, um, right. You have a great radio voice, though, Brett. I'm just saying. You do actually. Fabulous. Oh, thank you. You should. Thank you yeah. should start a podcast. You should Hello, start a podcast. Babe, let's start a podcast. Oh, okay. Anyway, we'll check out on the podcast. Yes. Maybe you guys, right maybe this. you guys could be our first guests. Could you? Would y'all be our guests? We'll, we'll pray about it. <laughs> okay. I, mean, I we'll don't feel a lot it. of peace about it, but I'll, you know, I'm open. <laughs> if you have a writer or whatever, just send it our way. <laughs> oh, we do. Oh, we yeah. do. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's awesome. Right, well, thank well, you guys so much. You guys are amazing. Love you guys. Talk soon. Yep.
Thank you so much for listening today. The best way you can help us get this message of family out to the world is by taking a minute to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and please share. You can also visit our site, findingfamilypodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram to stay connected. And one more thing. I mean, have you ever listened to an episode and found yourself wanting to hear more from our guests or thought, man, I'd sure love to get more connected with Chris and Julie. I, I know you have. If so, you can become a member of our Finding Family Patreon and receive exclusive content and ways to interact with us and our community. Just go to findingfamilypodcast.com and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors at Loam. You can learn more by going to withloam.com backslash findingfamily. This episode was produced by Dave Hanso and edited by Will Cotterall and is a production of Welcome Home Entertainment. Original music written and performed by Drew Holcomb.